What's up? I'm Brent James, and this is my Be Different Spotlight. Recording, well, we? we're all. I I feel like we're always, always yeah, we're baby. always recording. Yeah, you're never sure. off the mic. I mean, your whole life's been on the mic. Totally, here it is. Right Are you? Here. St- here, this is Brent James as as Fuzz Dylan. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Get on a Spotify. Come on. Check out Fuzz Dylan. Open out, it tells who's on your playlist, baby. <laughs> I know we ain't 
Come on now. Dude, I literally think that you need to put that out. That it's needs, out, that, dude. It's on Spotify, y'all. You need, Everybody we need, listening right now, hit it up on Spotify. Come we on. need more Fuzz Dylan. Time to get those big big Spotify checks, dog. It, absolutely. You know. In all seriousness, <laughs> no, I, I've seen you play a bunch of times. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, and it's not just because we both grew up in Frankenwood. It's because you're, you're fantastic. Right back at you. But how, how'd you develop that stage presence? Because like, you, you have this magnetism about you when you get up on stage. I mean, is that something that you had early on, or did you mm. feel like you've really developed into it? Because you have it. You know that you have it. Well, and you're a relatively humble guy, and I know I, you're going to appreciate react. it. But where'd you get that from? I don't know, man. You know, I um, I was always, uh, I guess from the beginning, was always obsessed with, like, um, uh, just front men in general, I guess, and front women. Like, Janis Joplin is just, like, such a, mm-hmm. like, if you watch her move on stage like it's hard to get any cooler in my mind you know just watching her just like go back and forth like and work the stage like she's just an animal but um you know jim morrison like i was always a fan of him like my early the first shows we ever played were in like saginaw michigan and uh, there you go. man where's this place called um shoot i can't remember the name of the spot i wish i could remember i'm sure it's gone now but um you know we played white's bar in saginaw and um there's one other place but you know, we used to have like a residency there like every Tuesday. So it was cool. Like, you know, I was like maybe, you know, nineteen twenty, and just like running through, you know, just learning songs and going after it and, you know, watching like, good God, I don't even know how much money I spent on DVDs <laughs> and like hours. My cousin and I would just sit in front of the TV in his basement after we'd rehearse and just like watch, you know, like the Freebird movie and like the Doors Live and um, the Woodstock movie, watch that, I don't know how many times. And then, of course, you got to sprinkle in the Dazed and Confused movie in there, you know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just loved, loved watching and, you know, just seeing how somebody worked a room, you know, how these guys would work a room and keep people interested. Because you go to so many shows sometimes, and it's like there's just so many bands, and it's so hard to, mm-hmm. to keep people watching you, you know. Like people, everybody wants to look at their phone halfway through the song, or they just don't want to... You know, and I just tried to, you know, not to be too cheesy here, but to be different, you know. There you go. Be different. That's yeah. why you're on the show. So yeah. were you practicing in the mirror? You wake up in the morning or an hour before the show. Are you a mirror guy or are you just, Dude, hey, I'm going to get up there and just No, when I was a roll. kid, I, I mean, it all went away. But like living in, you know, I mean, the house we grew I grew up in, you know, it was in Frankenmuth on, um, it was on a, the corner of uh, Curtis and Byer Road out there and this white house right on the corner. And I would just stand upstairs in my <laughs> in my bedroom and listen to <laughs> hip hop music, man. Like I'm such a big hip hop junkie fan. Like I mean, I first started listening. I mean, those were like my first memories of music. It was like just like some of the worst raw dog, you know, rap music that I should not have been listening to. Yeah, just very nasty lyrics. Just the whole awful, deal. dude. Yeah, awful. Um, my friend uh, Todd would you know, burn me these, or, or I guess not even burn, but I guess quote unquote dub me these tapes. And um, it sounds really ridiculous, but I remember I would go to school with my lunch money to go to school and he would come in and have like a two short cassette tape yeah. that he dubbed and I would pay him 10 bucks for this. Brand new, they're $10, but I didn't know and I couldn't get them because I wasn't <laughs> old enough to buy these because they were explicit lyrics. <laughs> I bought that from him. I bought like DJ Pooh, which was like super, super, you know. God, DJ um, Pooh? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, Ice Cube tapes, America's Most Wanted, yeah. Lethal Injection, all the NWA stuff. Um, yeah, like, I just thrived off of that. Like, I just loved the attitude of rap music yeah. and, like, the how, like, you know... There's uh, such an aggressiveness yeah, behind dude, like that the style NWA, of music. you know, straight out of Compton video is, like, that's so rock and roll, man. Mm-hmm. You know, just, like, just coming out, like, the first scene of that video is just so, just grabs you, you know? Um, so... That's just some, you know, like some killer stuff. I do remember getting the, the Vanilla Ice tape, like right when I was getting into oh, wow. into rap music. <laughs> and uh, and I remember like on this tape, it was like I bought the single and I think on the B-side, I can't remember the name of the song on the B-side, but he's, can we swear on this? Or yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, on the B-side, he said shit on there. And I remember as a kid, I don't know how old I was when that came out, but I remember like being like thinking to myself in my mind like oh my god like he swore on this like i should have this you know like i should throw this away and then fast forward like two months and i got nwa bumping in my bedroom but you know it is what it is and it was just you know it's good memories and you know i still to this day i'm a big old hip-hop fan so well then your sound developed a little bit away from the the hip-hop vibe though so how did you how did you develop the kind of sound that you have now and as far as picking up a guitar were you self-taught or did you have someone show you how it was done initially? Um, you know, I went from listening to rap music heavily. It's all I listened to all the way up until probably about maybe eighth grade. And then once eighth grade started, I remember getting um, the uh, the Counting Crows record, uh, August and Everything After, and just like being blown away mm-hmm. by... Um, by Adam Duritz's voice, the singer, and just being like, wow, this is crazy. Like, the songs actually made me, you know, feel something different than, like, you know, rap music was just, like, so, like, you know, like, biting leather and, like, let's go, you know? And, like, this was, like, actually, like, these were songs that were, like, actually making you think about, Mm -hmm. you know, like, your own emotions and your own life. And, you know, you start to hit that age and, you know, other things go, you know, coming in and out. And so it was... It's a lot of that stuff and like the Wallflowers record. That was a great record. And I just started getting into that stuff. Um, and then, you know, got into the Grateful Dead a lot, um, you know, in high school and had all these, you know, house parties and all my friends would come over and, you know, we'd sit out in the backyard and <laughs> listen to Grateful Dead songs and, you know, and kind of, you know drink a little bit too much. You know? I feel like I'm really taking you down memory lane right now. You are, bro. I feel like you I are, really man. am. Yeah. As far as picking up an instrument, man, I um, I got um, I got mono when I was um, 17 years old, and I got it super bad. Whereas like my spleen enlarged, and I wasn't like the doctor was like, you shouldn't ride in a car, you should just stay home. So like this entire summer, you know, from my you know between my ninth grade year and my tenth grade year, it was like you got to stay home and yeah. you know like take it super easy. So. I was talking to my folks one night, and they were like, you know, is there something that you want to try and do or learn? I was like, well, I always want to learn how to play the drums. Um, so my buddy's brother, my buddy Sean Gallagher, his brother Ryan, uh, he was selling a drum set, and uh, we bought the drum, went over to his house, bought the drums. He brought them over, set them up for me. He sat down, and he showed me, like, three basic beats, and out of those three basic beats, you know, it was like, I sat there. I mean, it took me a, a while to learn, but he showed me those and I, you know, eventually learned them and then started to learn other stuff. Um, and I started to learn about like the construction of a song, mm-hmm. you know, like where are you going to land on the one and all that good stuff. Um, but it was cool. You know, like Ryan was a great dude and, you know, 
I'm glad that he showed me that stuff back back in the day. Do you remember the first time that you performed? Because I feel like Dude, I like do. learning the instrument and then figuring out that you can sing, but then making that decision to do it in a public forum, probably there's probably a little bit of back and forth in your head, I would imagine. But it sounds like you do remember the first time. Dude, I do, bro. I do, man. It's funny. I actually remember it so clearly, too. Um, although I'm not going to probably remember the name of the spot, but uh, it was in Frankenmuth, and um, where were we at? Dang, I'm trying to remember the name of this spot. Um, maybe like co- something coffee. It wasn't Frankenmuth coffee, like coffee grounds or something like that. Yeah. I don't know, something. But, uh, yeah, we, you know, like I met a couple friends in, in school that, played guitar and um like wrote songs and actually knew how to write a song and it was it was cool and like so we were like oh let's start this band Mm -hmm. so the first band that i was in um in high school was uh was a band called ocean soul and uh and the guitar player uh his name was brandon super cool dude Uh, all the guys in that band were great um but he actually had his own apartment you know, we were like juniors or seniors in high school and he had his own spot. We were like, oh, dude, let's start let's start writing some songs over at your spot. So um, I look back on that now. I'm like, man, my man had his own had his own apartment. Yeah. Our senior in school. So um, so we started writing songs over at his place and then we booked our first show um, shortly thereafter. And I think we had maybe like five or six songs. And we played at this coffee house and some friends from high school came out and hung out. But uh, I do remember it like it was you know it was it was terrifying but it was also just so you know um so fun and just like you know it was like wow like this could this is how it starts this is how everybody starts you know um i remember just leaving uh i left the 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 coffee house and i just remember driving home and this is going to sound so cheesy but i remember looking out the windows in the back seat and i remember looking out the window just like this is straight magic like this is really 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 cool so I suppose the the addiction of music was yeah born the, maybe the in that moment adrenaline rush and the addiction and there's nothing like the adrenaline rush you know like mm-hmm. even to playing to to that many people you know I've played to you know I've played to the bartender and I've played to twenty thousand people you know and um, they're not you know exactly uh, comparable but there's still an energy to playing to somebody that hasn't heard any of your songs mm-hmm. that like really likes it you know and is giving you a response back you know you're still going to get that like ad- adrenaline rush from it um but yeah it's definitely an addicting thing yeah sure. well and you've been in the music game for a long time yeah and there's no signs of stopping so i got these dark circles under my eyes <laughs> bro <laughs> late nights yeah, Early man. mornings now, yeah, man, with the family too. Yeah, so your your hours, I'd yeah. imagine now are just yeah, all over the place. It's crazy, dude. If you ever needed someone, brother, to stand beside you in the rain. Holding your umbrella for all the times you stood by me. Everybody feels a little pain, but I am alive. 
take a walk and talk, man. I know we are far from like-minded neighbors these days. But the story of life is such a sharp knife, boring as he with no blade. Michigan, where'd you go from there? Because I know you were in New York for a while prior to coming to Cincinnati, but how did that work yeah. for you? Um, it, after I graduated, I moved to New York, um, and that's where I met my wife, and just moved out there and, you know, started, you know, I went out there, and right when I moved out, I was trying to get a job at, you know, like various places in the city, you know, like Guitar Center, you know, you apply at like all the, mm -hmm. you know, the normal stuff that, you know, being a musician will allow you to apply at, and uh, so I went out there and tried to get a job at some of those places and apply, and started applying, and um, I met uh, my wife's friend, um, Megan, her roommate, um, she was, she knew that I was, you know, in the game, and she was like, hey, you know, my my roommate has a studio if you ever want to come over and record anything. I was like, oh, nice. for real? That's what's up. So, you know, maybe a week after I moved there, uh, I went and recorded some songs in his studio, just some acoustic demos in his studio. And uh, when I finished recording with Greg, uh, his roommate, Christian, walked in. And there were three of them that lived there, Megan, Christian, and Greg. And Christian walked in, and he was like, hey, what's up? You know, we started talking. And He's like, so what are you doing? You just moved out here. I was like, yeah. He's like, what are you doing for money? I said, uh, I'm, you know, I'm applying at, you know, various places, you know, trying to get, trying to get in, get in where I fit in, you know, and uh, and 
he's like, oh, well, don't, don't, don't get a job. Don't get a job, especially if you're a musician, man. He's like, you got to be out playing shows and, you know, hitting mm-hmm. the road and stuff. I was like, yeah, but, you know, I also got to pay the bills, whatever, pay some rent. So um, he was like, well, I'm a casting director and, you know, I can get you work, you know, and it's good money. You know, it's way better than what you'll make at those places, yeah. you know. And um, he's like, have you ever acted before? And I was like, not a day in my life. You know, I never have. Um, but he uh, he he really, you know, kind of took me under his wing in the beginning and hooked me up with, you know, some good paying stuff. Like a week after I lived there, two weeks after I lived there, he got me. I was sitting at a table with the entire uh, cast of The Sopranos, like having lunch with The Sopranos, like, it was crazy, you know, like he hooked up a bunch of stuff. So like, uh, I don't remember what what season it is, but like there's a scene where like I chase James Gandolfini down like this corridor <laughs> with like a bunch of other people. And um, it was uh, it was cool. I couldn't afford HBO. So like I didn't really know. Like they had know, lunch with the Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, dude. It was insane. You know how many man. people would, would pay ridiculous money dude, for I that know, opportunity? I know. It was crazy. It was straight crazy. But yeah, he hooked up a bunch of stuff. We did that and I did uh Oh man, Sex in the City, the movie. Um, I was a, I was the bartender in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Uh, you can see me pretty good in that. <laughs> and I was, I was Deegan McNeil on uh, Lipstick Jungle with Brooke Shields. On Lipstick NBC. Jungle, wow. And, uh, <laughs> you know that. Um, Law and Order, Matt Ice T, which was cool because you know going back to those early days, you know. I feel like Ice T is, is like the same on camera as he is. All, he, yeah. he just doesn't seem like he yeah. changes at no, all. Yeah, he was, he was real deal. He was, he was super nice, but. Uh, um, yeah, um, all the Law and Orders I think I did, and um, the movie Motherhood with Uma Thurman I did that. Uh, I was like a hippie musician type behind. I was driving a Cadillac with a couple of <laughs> my musician friends. You know, so I you did this for like, a while. Oh, dude, that's how while, I pit, while, how I, while playing shows oh, yeah, as much I, as you could. Yeah, it's how I, you know, was my only source of income because playing in New York City, like you know, you're just. You know, it's it's really hard to make money in the beginning yeah. unless you start, you know, garnering like a crowd and bringing people in, which we finally started to do um, later on. But like, you know, and then we toured up and down the East Coast, you mm-hmm. know, and we were doing like, you know, playing New York City. And then, you know, we'd go from New York City down to like Fairfax, Virginia and do the State Theater. Shout out to my buddy West down there. Um, and then from there, we'd go to, you know, Philadelphia and then D.C., the Black Cat in D.C. We'd play down there and... uh just running up and down the East Coast over and over in a van, you know, and van and trailer. So eating those bologna sandwiches, you know. Bologna? You know. Piccolo sandwiches, whatever yeah, you can pic- get your Dude, hands I forgot on. about piccolo. Yeah. Well, if you're eating bologna, you're probably doing some yeah, piccolo, too, just yeah. to change the That's flavors. What the, or no, I'm thinking bit. olive loaf. I'm thinking, I've never had it's piccolo, I think it's dude. like the same thing. Never had the piccolo, <laughs> but yeah, olive loaf was money. I remember that stuff. So, I mean... The music industry just seems like a wild jungle. It just seems like, and, and it's changed so much, especially over the last 15 to 20 years. Like, how have you been able to navigate that successfully with you and your team? Um, it's definitely changed, that's for sure. Um, you know, it is, like everybody says, that has, you know, become the wild, wild west. I mean, you can, you can you know make a run at it without a label now mm-hmm. you know which is you know was unheard of back in the day um with you know the, just all the online outlets and all that stuff you know um, I, I eat chance the rapper i mean you yeah. know that dude just come out swinging and you know um he's a beast big fan of that dude um but yeah it's 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 definitely changed for sure 
um, you know, we've always been pretty DIY, or I have been, you know, since I started doing this, because up in all, uh, you know, uh, all by myself, except for, you know, signing a publishing deal with BMG, you know, initially signed with Primary Wave, and then BMG bought my catalog from them, but, you know, it's pretty much up in, uh, until the point where I signed with those guys, it was all DIY, which I'm pretty proud of, you know, like, I mean, there's, you know, get some some respect from guys in the game when you're mm-hmm. doing it yourself, you know, which is cool. Um, and I've just always been the type of dude that was, you know, living in, you know, in Frankenmuth, I would sit on my bedroom floor and, you know, like thumb through the musician's atlas and like, you know, just cold call like labels and venues and trying to get mm-hmm. shows and, you know, and then by being denied, you know, like you learn about, you know, like, well, why was, why did I not get that? You know, of course I was, you know, like, 18, 17, 16 years old, calling these people, you know, <laughs> calling these people, you know, had no business, you know, we didn't have a record out or anything, but, you know, it was a good learning experience, you know, like learning about, um, about all of just the ins and outs of the business. And, you know, I met a few people who would actually talk to me for more than a couple minutes, you know, and, and want to get off the phone, you know, a couple guys would, you know, talk about the business side of stuff. I remember one dude, um, that, uh, he was at Capitol Records and um, just a really, really cool guy. And I was talking to him and I remember him telling me I was in my it was in I was in Ocean Soul and um, I was talking to this dude just about, you know, getting signed and, you know, how to get signed. Because up until that point, like I didn't have anybody mm-hmm. in my life in the music business. I had I had no idea that you could that that's how you got signed a person like gave you a record deal you know and uh and then sent you on your way you know and you, know, you be- become a big old star or whatever it's that easy you know i had no idea that it would that it could you know that these guys were the gatekeepers like that and i remember him telling me this is not going to be the only band that you will be in in your life and i, I remember like being completely devastated as a kid hearing that i was like oh my gosh like this is my only band I'll ever be in. These guys are my bros, which they were, you know, great dudes, you know, but as you get older and things change and Mm -hmm. life changes and people go away to school or they move, whatever, you know, there's no way to forecast any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I just remember in that moment being like, no, and like getting angry, you know, and like wanting to get off the phone. No, I'm not, this will be my only band I'm ever going to be in, you know, sure enough, you know, of course it wasn't, you know. So what's the makeup of your group right now and how did that come together? Um, the makeup of the band currently is, uh, myself, um, I got Ricky Veneman on the guitar, uh, Nick Baverman on the drums, Charlie Persona, AKA Chuck Smith on the bass guitar, um, bunch of great dudes. And just, I mean, to say good musicians is a huge understatement, just straight out of the stratosphere musicians, Mm -hmm. just great, great players, like just super pros. Um, great dudes and um, yeah man so we've just been going after it and pushing the rock up the hill alright yeah you guys are fantastic I, I try to go as often as I can I feel like I do a pretty good job of making shows uh, oh, yeah, especially the ones locally Yeah. Um, so I got five questions here that I've been asking every artist and so it can be as short or as long as you would like this to be but hopefully these are 
not too bad. I told Chandler, who was on earlier, if you need to close your eyes for two, three seconds and just, you know, visualize yourself someplace else and go ahead and do that. Sarah, you <laughs> right. ready for the five? Oh, I'm scared. You got me scared. No, they're not bad. Yeah. I right, promise. Let's do it. Fire okay. away. So if somebody had never listened to your music before, first time listener, what song of yours would you have them listen to and why? Oh, man. What a tough question. Um, one of the one of my favorite songs that I've ever written um, was originally I originally wrote it on a piano. It's called "It's All Right," um, but it's one of those songs I feel like grabs grabs the emotion out of you. Um, and every time we play that song, no matter if somebody has heard it or if they've never heard it, if it's, a, if it's their first time hearing the song, by the end of that song, they know the hook. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it over and over and over again when we play live. Like, you know, we'll all look at each other after and be like, oh, it's pretty crazy. Like, I know that these people have never heard it. And yeah. they're all singing it back. So, yeah, you know, like, I would check that out. And there's a song called Maybe that, it, uh, that I wrote that is pretty special, too. So, it's a, so I'm going to throw two at you there. It's all, all right, right like maybe. Yeah, all right. It up on Spotify. Come on now. All right, that works. Question two. Question one wasn't so bad. Not so bad. All right. All right, if you could see any musician, performer, band, dead or alive, who would it be for you? Wow, what a great question. Dead or alive. I would have to probably say... I'd have to probably say The Doors. Jim Morrison yeah. was like, not many people did it cooler than him. I don't know that anybody has. He was just mm-hmm. such a different bird. Um, I would like to see the way that he interact mm-hmm. interacted with his band on stage, between songs, stuff like that. You know. Okay, that's a pretty good one. I yeah. don't think many people are going to argue with you on, yeah. on that answer. Yeah. All right. You've played in a lot of venues throughout your career across uh-huh. the country. Do you have a favorite venue that you've ever been able to perform at? Are we talking festival venue or are we talking... Because um, I do have a favorite festival okay. venue area, which, you know... Yeah. We, um, uh, in I think the festival would work yeah, fine. Yeah, okay. Um, so we played with... You know, Alice Cooper here, and we played with, I can't remember who else we played with, maybe Candlebox here and a couple other bands over the years. But it's in Bay City. It's at, it's this place called Vets Park, and it's right on the river. And it's always cool because people come out and support. You know, it's not far from Frankenmuth, you know, so there's generally a good crowd there that's supportive of us mm-hmm. and stuff that's giving it back, you know. So, um, yeah, that was that's that's a really fun place. We've played there maybe four or five times, and every single time it's... It's magic. We played there with Ario Speedwagon, but it got rained out, which was super bummer city. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it was super bummer. But, yeah, we've had some great shows there, 20, 25,000 people. I think that that's about what capacity is there. And that's We played there with Alice Cooper. I mean, we did a, we did a run with Alice Cooper. And What's Alice Cooper like? Oh, uh, so cool, cool dude. Yeah, yeah, with the contraband, the guys that I played with before, we did um, we did this run with... Uh, with Alice Cooper and it was it was so much fun. He was such a nice dude, super supportive. Um, had a golf cart behind his bus because he golfed so much. Thought that was cool. Um, but yeah, just a beast. Nicest guy off stage, but then on stage we were like, "Whoa, <laughs> damn!" It's funny. My mama liked that because she was a big Alice Cooper fan growing yeah, up. Yeah, come on now, girl. You yeah. know what's up. Yeah. All right. What has been one of your like peak moments or highlights um, as a musician? Maybe like a moment where 
um, you know, you had been pushing for so long and then you finally got like a little bit of a break. Was there any, any moment like that that stands out to you during your career? I would have to say um, probably without a doubt signing, you know, a major publishing deal. You know, like I was, you know, so broke, you know, and just had, you know, you know, just getting a deal with them and, you know, you getting an advance and, mm-hmm. you know, getting all that stuff was just like, you know, it's kind of, I feel like legitimized myself as a little bit, you know, more than just a hobbyist and mm-hmm. something I love to do. It was okay. You know, this is a real deal. Like these people are in the game and they know songs and they like my songs and believe in my songs enough to sign me and, you know, just gets you credential. a little bit more comfortable yeah you, know, you feel credentialed after that yeah too, right? for sure most definitely all right this is your last question and it actually transitions perfectly so great answer but we have a lot of young listeners on our podcast too and uh-huh. and people that want to be musicians and want to get into the industry you know what advice would you have for someone that's just start starting out if you were a mentor or a coach talking to a kid who's talking to brent james at 17 or 18 years old you know what would you say to him Oh, wow. What a good question. I would say um, I think that there's a lot of, uh, well, just I guess it depends what type of game, what part, what aspect of the game that they're trying to get in. If they're in a rock and roll band or if they're in a, a country band or if they're in a folk band or whatever, if you're in a band, I think that a lot of people get caught up in, you know, and I fell victim to it, of having feel like, feeling like you have to move to a big city in order to be a success and to get noticed, you know. Um, it's really not like that anymore. I mean, you can, you know, you know, come out swinging from, you know, a small town. Obviously, Greta Van Fleet's a perfect mm-hmm. example of that. Those boys, you know, just, you know, stayed there and did their thing. And um, so I think that, you know, probably stay put you know get your friends to come out to shows and mm-hmm. get your friends to share the stuff i mean that's the beauty of music now like you know you know bands that are coming up now you know the sharing and you know all that cross pollination is just beyond important you know and like that's all what labels want to see is numbers you know like that's all labels care about right now is just numbers right. you know streaming numbers if you don't <laughs> have streaming numbers um you know your chances unless you're packing rooms that don't listen online which you know if you're a young band like that's non-existent now so um get your numbers up and i I hate to have to say that honestly like you know i'm always thinking to myself man bob dylan wouldn't have cared about this Mm -hmm. back in the day but damn he probably would have you know the stones they wouldn't have cared about it back in the day you know they probably would have had to now in this day and age but and then um, you know, if you're if you're going into a different part of the game, like if you're trying to, you know, like become an agent of William Morris or CAA or Paradigm or whatever, and you want to get in on that or you want to get a publishing deal and you just want to write songs and you don't care about being a musician and touring and doing any of that stuff, then I would say, you know, definitely, you know, move to, you know, if you're wanting to get into the country game um, or the rock game and write with some people like Nashville's a good, good mm-hmm. spot to be right now. Um, if you're wanting to get into the, you know, more pop side of stuff and so also some rock stuff, you know, LA is killing right now for that stuff, you know, just types of whatever, you know, kind of just dependent upon which type of genre that, you know, you're wanting to write. But, um, yeah, I mean, I could talk for hours about that. I got too many opinions about it. I'm sure. <laughs> I'll give you one more question along that line. So, but do you think that's damaging music today where like the labels are only looking for streams as opposed to like true content and value in the lyrics or do you, you know do you feel like if you're independently you can make it work 
Because it just seems like there's a lot of artists that'll blow up now that have, you know, very little content or substance to what they may be saying, but their views are huge because they're saying just ridiculous, mm -hmm. you know, ridiculous lyrics over and over. And for whatever reason, they're getting the buzz because of that. I mean, yeah. they're probably more of a flash in the pan than a band or group that lasts forever, but yeah, they're still probably going to get... Sign. I think I know who you're talking about, but we won't, we won't name names on here. <laughs> Maybe after. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I I do think that it, it it is a bummer in the music business right now with that um, with that you know with the approach that you know your that musicians have to take now. Like I, a fine example is um, you know I was listening to an interview with the Black Keys and uh, Patrick. Uh, was talking about um, just about you know the business side of things, and he w he had a great point which I never thought about ever in my life. But you know, um, like I said, the first tape that I ever bought was a Vanilla Ice tape, and I listened to it. I mean, honestly, I listened to it nonstop. It was over and over and over for I don't know how long, but I was just obsessed with that song. Same with that song, like Technotronic, you know, Pump Up the Jam, like I got that and just constantly listened to that song. And that's what you have kids doing now on songs, you know, that whatever Ice Ice Baby or, you know, Pump Up the Jam would be now, you know, we can name some of those or we cannot, you know, but... Um, they're just listening to them over and over and just racking up these these streaming counts. So, like, you're getting, like, you know, an artist having just an insane amount of plays, but it's coming from, you know, one kid like me <laughs> listening to, oh, yeah. you know, Vanilla Ice, you know, or whatever, over and over and over. So I think that there are so many, I mean, I know there's so, I, I, I couldn't even, you know, don't get me started about just friends that are musicians that, have incredible songs that are incredible songwriters that, you know, just don't have the streaming numbers, you know, um, that should have the ears on them, you know, like mm -hmm. they'll get people listening to them and add it, you know, you listen, you get a song added to a playlist and, you know, it gets played every 30 times through their playlist, you know, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, I guess is what, what kind of crowd you're going after and, you know, do you want to try and sell out big, football stadiums or are you cool with playing you know the taft theater here in town and, mm -hmm. and playing to people who will be there in 20 years to hear you again at the taft theater you know yep. back into not having a career like that which is which is that's the, you know that's what i'm about you know like i just want to write good songs and mm -hmm. you know have have people care and come out and know the songs and i get i get stoked when there's you know 100 people there that know us you know mm -hmm. so i get stoked when there's five people there that know the songs that i don't know yeah you know well, it's all the same. Well, I know we could probably go down this rabbit hole for the next hour or two, but I know that you have places to be, so I don't want to keep you for too long. No, it's all but, good. but you've been great with your time, and thanks for coming on the show. And we always end with the same question every time that we have a guest on for the Be Different podcast. Our name is Be Different. We're all about connecting with uh, you know local entrepreneurs, artists, anybody like influencing and impacting their community. So we feel like you represent that. Um, as a part of, you know, being different, what makes you and your team different? Your ability to connect, your ability to perform, write songs. You know, what is it about you uh, that makes you kind of separate from the pack? Man. I guess I pride myself on just hard work and, and caring, but um, I don't know. I, I'm, you know, I feel like I don't, I've always got time for somebody if they want to talk after a show. I don't, I don't blow people off. You know, I see some people that, you know, aren't, 
you know, that large and in charge yet, and they get they're blowing people off. So I don't know. We we care about people that come out to see us, and uh, and you know, we we give a shit. So I don't know. I think that we're nice dudes that you know like to bring the bring the fucking rock and roll. I like that. All right. Well, Brent, you're the man. We'll let you get right rolling. I got you, homie. And I guess for the uh, the crew of the Be Different podcast, uh, we are out of here, and we'll see you next time. Peace.